Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another installment of Pull Request. Oh, wow, look. Um, as befits a shape rotator, actually, this invite of Rune actually worked way better than any other word cell. Somehow he pulled <laughs> into, the, into the room instantly, and it all was seamless. Pull Request uh, listeners who usually tune in realize it's usually a shit show. Rune, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. It's great to meet you, Antonio, and the rest of you guys in the audience. Yeah. Dude, Rune, I got to say, since I know you're actually P. Marcus Alt, the mm-hmm. voice masking technology you bought from the Israelis is working uh, great. I would never, I... I would never guess you're actually Mark. Okay, good. I didn't overspend on it. The Israelis charged me a lot, but you know, we're here. <laughs> cool. Well, um, thanks for joining. I've I've been looking forward to this because you are the man of the media moment. Um, <laughs> I, if, speaking speaking of P. Mark Azalt, um, I will confess, P. Marka tweeted and overheard that he heard from me that said that like the current like human centipede meme assembly line is like a non-Twitter accounts, then like tech blue checks, then like P Markabology, et cetera. And then like normies at the New York times and then normie normies. And so I was actually going to post some headlines, but I thought it might piss you off from uh, <laughs> the Charles uh, Warzel, <clears throat> Wordzel, who Wordzel, published in his yeah. new Wordzel and a few mm-hmm. others, but I didn't, but you, you've done the whole pipeline in like two weeks. Rune. How do you feel I, about that? I think so. It's actually been, I mean, first of all, thank you. That's flattering. I saw the, the tweet from him and I was like, hmm, I feel like we've all kind of known this for a long time, but I never expected to be there at the uh, the beginning of that centipede, um, you know, because it's like even major political commentators, like they start rehashing things from uh, blogs that were written years ago on the Internet, right? You know, it turns out that the Fed was like, you know, Greenspan, sorry, not Greenspan, uh, Bernanke and them were just reading like econ bloggers on the internet and things like that to figure out good analysis and like source it and all this stuff. There's certainly like, I don't know, a, a change in the um, information pathways going on actually has already happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suspect you could draw historical parallels. I mean, Marx was the original Anon word cell, right? Mm-hmm. Or even yeah. uh, the founding fathers of the U.S. actually all had Anon Twitter accounts. Right, publishing. right. Um, I noticed actually that you put Madison under the word cell category on your most recent Substack post. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, by the way, I should have. Oh, you know what? I should have included a leak on the Twitter account for those who are listening along. Rune has a great Substack, which I Substack tells me launched literally five days ago. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I made it literally for this purpose. You know. Um, I was like, I should probably explain this at some point. It's taking off. Uh, I don't want, you know, I want my 15 minutes of fame. I want to get credit for it. So, yeah, that's why that's why I made that. <clears throat> I have to say it's remarkably well-written, Rune. I, I'm getting word cell vibes out of it, to be quite I honest. I know. People keep saying this, but uh, I promise I'm a rotator in, uh, in, in metaphor and in thinking. But, you know, I can get off a few good lines every once in a while, so... Well, I think, I suspect rotators can fake being word cells better than the reverse. I think uh, of the many things PG wrote that was was cancel-worthy, one thing he mentioned is, uh, imagine like all the humanities people died and you had physics professors trying to teach French versus the reverse. Which world would be better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clearly the right. case. And so, um, yeah. Interesting. So let's, uh, let's. what's the best way to do this? Do you maybe review some of what what you said in your substack, or or do you actually just want to have like a personal... Uh, you know, account of how you came to this conclusion. Although it's kind of the beginning of your piece is also about that, about how how you came to this these classifications. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess what does your audience already know? What do they not know? We can. Uh, I'll, I'll let you decide. I, look, I'm uh, not to blow smoke up your ass, audience, but <laughs> I'm going to guess the pull request audience is fairly hip and savvy, and this probably does not need the basic terms defined, uh, at least any further than you've defined them in your Substack post. Mm-hmm. So I think they're probably they're probably hip to the groovy uh, the groovy <laughs> moon cycle we've had, okay. and so we could probably start 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 after that. Okay. I mean, sure. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it basically started, um, you know, you guys know the definitions, but the kind of history of it was like, there have always been people making these jokes on Twitter about, uh, you know, I can rotate a cow in my mind and you can't because, you know, it's like a latent understanding <laughs> of the, it's a, it's a, it's a joke phrase, but like neurodivergence of uh, human thought. Right. Some people can do things, other people cannot. And visual imagination turns out to be one of those things that has, like, huge variance, right? Including people that actually just can't imagine anything, which is uh, a surprisingly common camp. And people that are, you know, rotating many dimensional objects in their mind, I guess. And and so the, the, the jokes were always there. Uh, I think memes are, like, precocious in that way. Like, they understand things that are not... Um, like fully stated yet. And, but I kind of made it into like an identity, right? Where I like call myself a rotator or something and other people call themselves a rotator. And that evolved over months. And eventually like I got into a fight with some guy and called him a word cell. And that also really stuck. And that's actually when <laughs> I really started cooking with fire, right? Because like having, um, an in-group, and out-group, that's what makes things go. That's what makes everything go in human life. So, um, yeah, like, uh, we we were kind of, my fans were kind of fighting with his fans in a way. Um, he is like uh, Logo Daedalus. I'm not sure if you follow him. Yeah. He's a <laughs> extremely niche, like, philosophy poster. Um, and it's part of what us. makes him, right, right. Yeah. Part, part of what makes his part of Twitter cool is it's like um, complete obscurity, right? Like very few people can understand what the hell they're talking about. Um, and that makes it like kind of tight knit and clandestine and like they feel like they're uncovering secrets, um, you know, doing close readings of CIA documents or whatever. But it's also like they are so completely off on so many things, like completely detached from reality, right? And... and that's what I saw and my followers saw and why I called him like a word cell on one of those threads. And it really took off. Uh, now it's being applied to journalists and, um, you know, people in the New York Times, the Atlantic, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the basic history of it. Yeah, no. And it's it's funny that, of course, it, it lands at the professional word cells. And, of course, and, and they reject the terminology and treat you as as perhaps the biggest threat to democracy after Joe Rogan, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, this, uh, yeah. Uh, so, and, ju- and just to, to one comment, one subtle nuance that I think, it's funny, it came up in a private group. We were discussing it when it first started hitting your concepts, but I, I, I note that you also got into it in the Substack. You know, shape rotator is not just some sort of cognitively elite statement about people who work in machine learning, say, or no. use linear algebra or mathematics. Like, your plumber is probably a shape rotator, way more exactly. than uh, Charlie Warzel is. Or, you know, the people who actually work on car engines, like, they can actually know how the alternator actually fits into it in a way that most would not. And so it's not just some sort of learn-to-code elitist statement, necessarily. 
Right. I don't want it to be about STEM nerds versus humanities nerds. That's not really what it is, right? It's like basic cognitive skills that like everybody possesses and differences in them. <clears throat> well, but I mean, that's already cancel worthy, Rune. I mean, you're, you're claiming that people actually have natural skills and talents rather than being born as blank slates, which of yeah. course is the liberal dogma. But in any case, that's a cancelable dogma, but I think not too cancelable and I'm anonymous. So whatever. Right. As far as the world is concerned, you're like a little brown kid in front of an American flag. By the mm-hmm. way, is there a story behind the avatar? I love how you have the same avatar across everything. Is there a story behind this? Was this like a random choice that has now come to define you or, or, or what? Um, well, I mean, I enjoyed the aesthetic of the cartoon kid who is uh, Carlos from Magic School Bus, you know. Um, oh, yeah. He's, uh, you know, like this little boy that, you know, gets off some very terrible jokes and then he just smirks exactly like he's smirking in my profile photo and um that that resonated with me because that's kind of what i'm doing on twitter it's telling bad jokes and smirking to myself um and i think i added the flag for like july 4th and just never got rid of it because it was like a good look (laughs) fascinating amazing i mean yeah you know i've often said like particularly i just went to i went to hereticon earlier and it's like it's like your entire twitter mutual follow list and the problem is, like, if they don't look like their Twitter avatar, you just don't recognize who the fuck it is, even though yeah. you've interacted, like, a gajillion times. And so you, right. Rune, if, if you get invited, if there is another Hedekon, yeah. uh, it's going to be problematic for you. <laughs> I suspect you probably don't look like the little kid from the Magic School bus. I do not. But that's okay. I'll, uh, I'll get a name tag or something. I'll put Rune <laughs> on my forehead, tattoo it. But um, I, I actually got invited to this one. It's just that I came down sick with, uh, you know what, and I didn't want to be miserable for three days in miami so i didn't go uh it's funny i i got sick with you know what at Hereticon, in fact and i was yeah. miserable for several days in miami after but, um, <laughs> that would have been far preferable if i got it there and then like you know i enjoyed two days of it and then just chilled on miami beach or whatever but did not end up yeah. happening cool so it's funny you so your your piece again gets into and again you know gets into the fact it's not a cognitively elite thing mm-hmm. um and it, it's funny, you actually cite one of my favorite and most misunderstood thinkers, which I think, you know, obviously gives a little bit of intellectual vigor uh, to your worldview, which, again, I think uh, the, the Warzels or the word cells tended to ignore. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you, quoted, you quoted Fukuyama, right? And yeah. um, the famous, if, if you follow me, you know that, like, I am in the, you know, reform and resurrect Fukuyama from the dustbin of history, mm-hmm. not for his neocon views necessarily, but for the, the end of history view, which... Most right. people didn't read on the title, but if you actually read through 40 chapters of reinterpreted Hegel, in particular the last chapter, which is the one I think that you quote, um, yep. you cite how there would be the supreme boredom of the last man at the end of history, and that that boredom would actually force people to engage in status games and potentially re- revert to violent forms of order uh, or of, of political conflicts that, that existed before. And, and it's interesting. Why did you quote that paragraph in particular? Right. I mean, you're, you're completely right. It, he talks about how people might revert to... Uh, political violence that has been unseen for a while. But he also talks about how they're going to be bored at the end of history because mankind has been reduced to solving what he calls technical issues and environmental challenges, right? And what is, like, all that Silicon Valley does is solve technical issues and environmental challenges, right? And maybe, like, causes a few as well. But um, And we also get our enjoyment out of it, Possibly because we are like uh, the shape rotator capital of the world, 
And so that's what I was saying. You know, most people are not going to find enjoyment or meaning or anything in technical issues. They're just going to be technical issues. Um, and, and I guess the, the point of that essay was kind of, I was saying like, you know, here and now at the end of history, when politics is sort of diminishing, less important, um, on, a, on a broader scale, you could obviously say that it's more important in the last like 10 years than it was in the last 20 years. But on a broader scale, I would say it's less important. And politics is the word cell uh, domain, right? So the relative status of word cells has decreased. And that's uh, kind of the point I was getting at why I was quoting Fukuyama. Um, but yeah, I also love him. I think um, one of the best books I've ever read. And I might venture to call him a rotator, but you know, I don't know. Oh, well, I, I don't know how much, if you follow his, for example, his Instagram account, he actually loves working with his hands. Absolutely. He builds computers. He's a sculptor. He's absolutely a rotator. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's definitely um, a rotator. It's funny that you mentioned that politics have assumed such an importance precisely when in fact there is almost no political problems to actively solve inside the narrowest of Overton windows that we inhabit, at least compared to, to seasons past. And yet somehow, again, um, yeah, this, this overabundance of elites, I guess, is really an overabundance of word cells is mm-hmm. really what it is. Yeah. And, and we trained all these elites to somehow administer an empire that never quite happened, right? I mean, in, in the case of Britain, they would have exported it, but in, in, or in the Spanish empire, but in the American empire, that never quite happened. They all kind of stuck around. Right. There's and nowhere to send the elites. There's nowhere to send the elites. Man, what a problem. Um, we can, we can send them to be product managers at Fang, I guess, but you know, that's the best we can do. You know, it's funny how having been myself a product manager at a fan company, I was, I was definitely, I, in fact, I think I made a Jira joke on one of the threads that was surprisingly popular on one of the tweets uh-huh. I made, um, and in which it, I definitely could see the word cell shape rotator dialectic unfold in the PM engineer um, interaction, which is a, a very, yeah. a very kind of often very fraught uh, interaction. Definitely. Did you have PMs by the way in, in, or have you in, inter- or, well, I shouldn't say anything about your background, I guess. Ron. Um, yeah, I mean, people can know that I worked at a Fang, and yeah, I did have a PM, and I, uh, to be honest, I did not <laughs> like her that much, but um, I think I think there are certainly very talented PMs, and um, the one I had in a company prior, she was very good, but um, yeah, there's certainly like a divide between the the abstractions and the uh, people close to the ground, right? And there always will be. Right. I mean, the problem is that the PM track, which used to be basically like a consolation prize for failed engineers, which it was for me, by the way, I mm. think um, has become like its own track. And so you've got people who, who actually could never probably make it as shape rotate, like at all, even as mediocre mm-hmm. ones, which I certainly was, are now like full on word cell. I'm just going to work on Notion and the engineers are going to cut it up and that's the end of it. And that's the worst possible PM you could possibly have. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Um, a lot of, a lot of PMs, I think are in like the failed banking route still, the failed banking (laughs) track, you know, they, they come from Goldman Sachs or HSBC or whatever. And they realize that Facebook and Google are paying twice as much to work half as hard. And they're like, yeah, I can, I can write words for them as well as I can write words for Goldman. So they come over. 
I, you know, as someone who used to work at Goldman, I, I will however say that I think your claim is true about investment, the investment banking side. It might right. be slightly less true of the trading side. The quantitative say. traders are a different breed. I, I'd have yeah. to agree. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're definitely they're definitely shaper. Well, they're actually more like yield curve rotators. Actually, is what yeah. they are. But they're but actually yeah. they're actually way more rotator than the average programmer will ever be. You know, who is plumbing various abstractions together. Right. Right. Because. Yeah, in the case of the market, you have this very exterior reality that you, you can often get very, very wrong and you mm-hmm. get punished for very, very quickly. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, by the way, I have no doubt at all that, by the way, some version of this classification is going to show up in some recruitment meeting inside a fan company <laughs> in the next two or three weeks. And we'll actually... So a friend was telling me that um, someone used it at a, uh, at a meta C-level meeting calling someone <laughs> a word cell. But... <laughs> Um, I don't know if that's true, but the person who told it to me was reputable. So I think it's true. <clears throat> what I want to know is who was the target of the insult? Like who was yeah. being called the word cell? <laughs> I want to know too. I think it might have been an abstract person, not like someone in the room. But Oh, I see. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So by the way, speaking of, of word selling, are you, are, is the Substack thing going to continue? Are, are you going to – is this actually a, an – I'm going to try to. I mean – Look, I, I struck gold with this one in a way that I probably can't replicate in the future that easily. But I got like like 100,000 views or whatever, which people tell me is probably way more than what that Vice article got. Um, and Almost certainly. Yeah. So that's not bad. And I think people enjoyed my writing. And I like writing, so I might continue with that. Yeah. Dude, if you, if you go far enough down this dark hole, you might end up as a PM. I know it's gonna be <laughs> fucked. I'll forget my my visual imagination. Once great, will just turn blank and uh, never see a shape again in there. You're a score on what's the game? The the one the like the left right game that you're following the crazy route. I forget the name. The um, the, one, the one you posted z- about zigzag maybe. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I'm so surprised you actually saw that. Wow. Um, my oh, no, niche memes have gone so far. I, I played it. It reminded me, I'm one of these people who stubbornly resist putting the like orient with the car button on whether it be Google Maps or like the Tesla nav. Right. And so, yeah. it, you know, a, a way more exciting real life version of that is to be street racing and trying to beat <laughs> somebody yeah. and actually do the left right thing. Because again, you've got to flip it in your head while you're actually driving the car. It reminded me of uh, of that experience. Right. You wrote yeah. about that in your book. I'm pretty sure about about racing I, or something. Street I, racing. I did. I did street race like a fucking moron. Yes, this, yeah. this is <laughs> this is true. I I almost managed to kill myself. Oh, that's right. You read the book. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, you you mentioned that you had read the book at some point and, and yeah. you approved. And given your background, that's that's hearty praise. I mean, look, you're gonna feel old, but I read this like in uh, early in college, and uh, <laughs> I'm, like I'm pretty sure this is exactly the opposite of your intention but got me very excited to work in tech and um i was like there there are real things happening here and it seems very exciting and you kind of put it in a historical context that almost zero tech writers can do you know no one is going to make comparisons to napoleon or whatever right um they're just uh not their wheelhouse they're going to compare them instead to some (laughs) previous technical genius which uh doesn't hit as hard so yeah. Right. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No. Well, so so in a, in a very small, very distant way, I had a hand in this word cell shape rotator thing, because if you Definitely. hadn't worked in tech, then 
this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, wonderful. Well, I, I will say, so getting back to the intent of Chaos Monkeys, just to move the spotlight to me for just one second, because I think it's interesting. Um, yes and no. I, when I was writing it, I just, so Michael Lewis, who wrote Liar's Poker, um, mm-hmm. people probably know Michael Lewis from like Moneyball and The Big Short, but his first book was called Liar's Poker. He worked at uh, what was then, um, I think, it, was it Lehman Solomon. Brothers? Solomon Brothers, right. It was Solomon back when Solomon Brothers existed. And he wrote it, a style that I tried to imitate, which was, on the one hand, very like market savvy, like this is how the world actually works, but also kind of an amusing and a Hunter S. Thompson sort of way, which maybe slightly politically questionable these days. But in any case, leaving that aside, and, 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 you know, he said, I wrote this as a cautionary tale and it actually ended up being like a siren song and had a bunch of people join finance, including myself, by the way. I was yeah. a, a happy, otherwise completely unproductive, uh, completely loose bohemian at Berkeley grad school doing nothing really. And so I yeah. read that book and I'm like, I'm wasting my life. I've got to go find, you know, the human piranha. And, <laughs> and that's, that's why, that's how I ended up applying to Goldman. And it's funny, getting to the book, I occasionally get recognized in like 10 square blocks of San Francisco. One of the times mm-hmm. I did, I was walking across uh, South Park, which for those who aren't familiar, it's this park like right in the middle of like the startup part of Soma. Some dude was like following me. And I'm like, turning around, like, hey, what? He's like, sorry, sorry. Are you the author of Chaos? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, I read your book and I got an offer from Facebook and I'm so excited to go because of your book. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> That's not what I intended, but I can see yeah. how this is fit. And so I guess it happened with you as well. So Yeah, history wow. repeats, I guess. It happened to you. It happened to me. It's going to keep happening. Um, well, you might write a book, Ruin, one of these days, talking about the horrors of working at fan companies. And then, yeah. and then who knows? You pay it forward, as it were. Cool. Well, so what else? So I think we've covered. Is there something else you want to mention about the word cell shape rotator thing? Uh, not really, unless you had a specific question. No. I Well... Other than to once again dump on the journalist who like took what was a kind of frivolous meme with a little bit of intellectual content and took it yeah. way too fucking seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and and just flip out about it as they do. Um yeah. God, they're such they're such But I, I, I thank them for it on some level because I wouldn't be on this podcast or any other podcast if it weren't for fucking Taylor Lawrence going ham about it for no reason. Um so yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, her deal was, I think she was initially, I, we're mutual blocks. And so, but um, in her case, I think she was reacting to the P. Marco retweets, right? Mm-hmm. That was her thing. Um, which is funny because, of course, because she slandered P. Marco by misquoting him and alleging he said a bad word in a clubhouse thing, which he didn't. Let's just reiterate yeah. that little piece of their relationship. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, interesting. What's, what's funny, by the way, that, I, you know, I think two years ago, that would have been like a thing. And again, I think in terms of your brand, it's good that it happened. But in yeah. terms of like global impact, it, it hasn't yeah. had any impact. Like nobody cares. No. Well, right. I think a year and a half ago, it would have been like, oh, my God. And now it's like, mm. um, and it's funny to me. And I don't know. You're feeling that too, right? Like it's not just that I live in a block bubble because I've blocked almost all of them. You you also had that feeling that it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like sad yeah. trombone when it happened. Yeah, yeah. no, okay. it's, it's definitely sad trombone. It's definitely like we've given up on them being um, in any way rational or ethical. Um, right. But it, it's definitely funny to see like P. Marka and Taylor fight their, you know, years long battle via me, right? You know, like Taylor said something <laughs> in my replies um, and. Mark Andreessen changed his uh, bio to that, what she was replying to me. It's something about, um, <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but 
I'm the battleground, and that's fun, I think. So, yeah. Well, Rune, you, 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 you <clears throat> like sweeping, grandiose historical metaphors. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say you're like Cuba in the Cold War, and the exactly. battle between the Soviets and the American Empire, and, yeah. and you're simply a proxy nation um, between you know the Soviet Union and the, the U.S. Of, of uh, And I'll let the crowd assign who's the Soviet Union and who's the U.S. when it comes to Taylor. And That's Pimaka. exactly right. Yeah. Hopefully no yeah. Cuban Missile Crisis soon, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to imagine what that would be on Twitter exactly. Yeah. Um, um, funny, today's news, I don't know if you followed it, is um, this business of this uh, crypto couple who managed to embezzle, I think, over $3.5 billion in crypto and we're trying to launch I it. I saw it, yeah. I, it's funny because that guy was in YC like a year or two after me and we crossed paths back when YC was small and we were all in the same co-workings and Soma and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's just fascinating. I like a, I, I was reading today. He, he apparently was involved in the actual theft of it. I originally thought maybe he was just laundering the money, but it turns out he actually was involved in the theft, or at least according to the feds who might indeed be wrong, by the way, innocent until proven guilty, obviously. Yeah. Um, right. but, um, and then I guess she was a Forbes contributor, which, as everyone knows, is kind of a pay-to-play thing. You're not really sort of a journalist. Right. And then she's also a rapper with the cringiest TikTok I think I've ever seen. Yeah, but many many such cases, by the way. Many such the, cases. Yeah. The, the Forbes uh, and half-tech entrepreneur couple as well. Many such cases. Oh, really? <clears throat> ah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, if it's pay-to-play, then uh, people right. are paying. So, so, so what's, what's next again, again, for, for being a shape rotator, Rune, I have to say you, you seem remarkably well read. There's definitely some <laughs> word selling going. I suspect your bookshelf is vast and probably interesting. Um, oh, it's all right. Is it? Okay. Um, so what's next? What are you writing about next? Or what, what, what are you memeing about next? Like what, what's the, what's the next step in the Substack? now that I wouldn't say this is dying down. I think you've made a permanent mark in the zeitgeist, but obviously it's not at sort of peak engagement as it, as it, I imagine. No. I think I think the peak was yesterday with the Vice article and then the Atlantic article. It's not going to get there again. Um, huh. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple things in the block. You know, I try to find um, I try to find things that are missing from the the tech sphere, the tech discourse. Um, I noticed the other day, for example, that um, who is it? Vitalik has. Uh, the fable of the dragon tyrant in his bio, which is uh, sort of like long-winded Nick Bostrom, a parable about like why we shouldn't accept death as like uh, an inevitability, and that's like a very common sentiment among um, technology types, among rationalists, and that kind of thing. But there is some like um, there is some unspoken value. Uh, I mean, in favor of death as a uh, revitalizing force for civilization, right? And actually, Elon will talk about this too. And that's not something that gets spoken about often in in my sphere. So I wanted to write something about that. I also had another one. Sorry, I was... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I had a comment on that. No, I think you're you're completely right. I mean, obviously this, uh, you know, the... Transhumanism, the singularity. Like, if you take a transhumanist sect and you literally like run a regex and replace the singularity with like the rapture, it becomes like a, an evangelical Christian text, right? I mean, it's it's obviously fulfills the same the same the same role in that sort of messianic gnosticism of the physical world is corrupt, the spiritual and technical is all that exist, and we're going to upload ourselves to the cloud. So it's it's a form of religious belief, and I think you're right. 
and that if we were to get rid of life um, or death, rather, it, it I mean, think about it. Like, it's already the case that everyone has a postponed adulthood and you're an adolescent until your 40s. And people, right. everyone postpones everything, marriage, children, a lot of the most foundational things we used to do precisely because, in some sense, the end isn't near. There's actually a great novel by a writer actually, I typically don't like, but his, this particular book, and I was looking it up, which is why it was hard to get unmute the thing, but there's a book by Drew Magari called um, The Transmortals or The Unmortals or something in which the premise of it, it's, you know, it's one of these like modern sci-fi things where it's like weird shit happens. How does society react? And the weird thing is, of course, that we, that we cure death, that there's a thing called the cure that whatever, it's never quite explained, but in a very real world mm-hmm. way, this isn't like a magic, it's not Star Trek. It's just like the modern world and imagine the same way they have some weird mRNA vaccine COVID thing. You just have mm-hmm. a thing that doesn't actually wither your telomeres and you know, you, you're not immortal in the sense that you can still be killed if you take a shot to the head. You just don't right. age in the normal way, right? Yeah, right? And so, and then of course it's, it's a, you know, it's banned to begin with, but then bootleg versions get out, get out. There's like a pro-death militia that comes out and starts killing people. Like, you know, all society starts breaking down actually. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it'd be ironic if, in fact, the great filter that explains, like, the Fermi paradox is actually getting to mortality, right? Like, that actually makes wow. it such that the species dies precisely yeah. because we're not actually motivated to perpetuate ourselves. And again, yeah. as I, it sounds like a binary thing, this business of defeating death, but we've partially defeated death by making it such that life expectancies are much longer and things yeah. like child mortality are low, and it's indeed birth rates have actually fallen dramatically at the same time so um definitely yeah. i i'd be um i'd be very curious you should either tweet about that or send me that book link afterward but um uh yeah i mean i think you're right i think everybody lives in a form of arrested development these days you can see it even in uh you know the <laughs> yeah. british royals right we have uh prince charles who is a 80 year old intern um and that would not have happened you know in a, in a real kingdom uh 200 years ago and that that is like a, a microcosm of something that happens everywhere. People live longer, they hold wealth for longer, and their their businesses for longer, and they they don't their kids don't inherit it. They don't do anything. Um, and yeah, I mean that's going to extrapolate forever into the future. I mean Pelosi is running for election again, and she's eighty one. Exactly. Right, the boomers are still in charge. Gen Xers like me are going to get skipped over. And the millennials and Gen Z are going to take over. But yeah, the previous generation has been sticking around forever. And it's not, it's not necessarily a good thing. It, and it's weird, right? Because the U.S. is a society in some sense that reveres youth and it's historically been dynamic mm-hmm. and actually has the most geriatric leadership class, I think, of any Western country. Correct, yeah. Um, I mean, certainly if you look at – I mean, the, politi- the, country, the politics of the countries I follow, like France and Spain, the, the main figures are a lot younger. It's usually people, people get into the national spotlight in their 30s and 40s. And some accede to the highest levels of government at that age. And tomorrow in the U.S., that, that barely ever happens anymore, which is probably not good. Yeah, it's quite um, rare. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, yeah, I remember we talked about that on the thread. But, so what else, what, else are you, what else are you thinking about or what else are you, are you obsessed about? Um, I was kicking around an article where I was trying to either address or rebut some of um, – biology's ideas about you know putting cities on the blockchain or something like that which you know there i don't want to dismiss it there's some interesting stuff there but um i i don't have well-formed thought thoughts about that one but i had some criticisms that probably i'll flesh out in a blog post that one is likely to poke the bear in a way that gets a lot of engagement so yeah i'm probably going to get to that one the bear of biology or, or just 
the, the crypto, the crypto bear. bear. I mean, biology bear is already interesting, yeah. but um, the, the crypto meme complex on Twitter is uh, it's quite huge. There's a lot of uh, alpha, so to speak, in poking them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, so I've had biology on this show actually a number of times. In fact, it felt like he was a cause for a while because we had a bunch of crypto people, and I, I'd always bring biology on. Um, you know, I, I, I love biology. I think he's one of the more most dynamic. Um, oh, he's awesome. people I, I talk to on a basis. Um, that said, half of what he says sounds completely lunatic. I have to say, yeah. <laughs> like utterly insane. Although, you know, he a lot of it has been very right over yeah. the course of the past two to three years. So you, you can't yeah. really dismiss it. Right. Um, the, of all sad words of Tonga Pen is uh, biology was right again. You know, he's always right about some <laughs> absolute tragedy that is about to hit. So. I've never heard that that riff on the on the famous John Greenleaf Whittier quotes that you just said. But yes, it's 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 a weird world when biology is right again. Yep. again. I, as, as for the as for the crypto thing, I'd love to read the piece because I myself have that question. Like I myself do buy the theory actually uh-huh. that the the post enlightenment nation state concept, which most people don't realize, is a relatively recent invention. And the notion of nation states as we know today, um, you know, nations have sort of existed, right? But the, the notion of a fixed border with some level of technocratic government presiding over it with a unified language, that all was more or less invented after the Enlightenment. It just did not exist before. And in fact, right. arguably something like World War One was sort of the death spasms of the imperial dynastic orders that ran Europe uh, before before the rise of nation states. Um, and I think I think that period is arguably coming to an end because, um, you know, we've decoupled information flows from from physical and material flows. And so we all live in, in a sort of nation of our own imagining that isn't coupled at all to the colored square on the map that we live in. And so I think that makes political comity sort of difficult to, or impossible to maintain. And so I, I do buy the biology thing that like traditional nation states, certainly mm-hmm. large pluralistic ones like the U.S. or those of Europe are, I would say, are under threat. The question is, you know, what, mm. what, what, what replaces it when, you know, my physical, you know, my mental allegiance has nothing to do with my actual physical Location. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm very skeptical of seasteading, and yeah. I'm somewhat skeptical of Balaji's idea of this like federation of like charter city crypto dial things. As far as I can understand, yeah, right. I, I I actually think you're right. I think there's uh, definitely going to be these um these network state formations, right? That, um, our presence is very much detached from the physical world in a lot of ways, and it makes a lot of sense that if we have actual digital assets and it can be digital violence right and if there's digital violence and there will be governments um but i think it's the interface layer between uh uh, like real governments and these network states that will be interesting i'm going to try and think about more and write about I'm i'm glad you're doing it because no one else seems to um and it's weird like i don't know why but i always manage to like inject myself into the intersection of two like disparate circles in the Venn diagram. And and most recently, um, I think everyone who follows the show knows, I joined this think tank called the Lincoln Network, which is not the Lincoln Project, to be clear. It's a completely different organization. And I was on calls today with like Congress people, because part of what you do is to try to like, you know, influence legislation by being like the smart guy in the room. So without getting into details or whatever, although the bill is like a public record, there's a bill coming up that's trying to regulate like a lot of advertising technology and stuff that mm-hmm. Facebook will do and um it it and, and i'm glad they're reaching out to people who at least 
on good days like me know, know what they're talking about when it comes to ad tech. But it, but it does feel the more I talk to these people, the more it feels that they're living in like some displaced thing of like Silicon Valley five years ago, right? They're, they're, they're regulating the Silicon Valley of five years ago, not the one of today. And by the time they wrap it up, it's going to be the Silicon Valley of 10 years ago when the law actually passes. And so, um, I mean, I just don't think they've uh, they've been beating the bush on antitrust for like, you know, several years now. And at this point in time, it's almost like Facebook is parochial, right? It's like, uh, it's a declining power, uh, in, in the, in the wake of TikTok and other new apps. Right. By the time they actually get to regulating it, it's not going to matter anymore. Or, um, right. I mean, because historically, I mean, if you look at, if you look at tech behemoths and I mean, and I would definitely classify Facebook as one of them, right. It's, it, regulation antitrust rarely does anything, right? Like Windows never lost a desktop. Google never lost search. Mm-hmm. I don't think Facebook's ever going to lose that type of social media for that type of user, right? But, right. you know, it, it's, it well, it has lost it for younger users in a very different type of social media called TikTok. And if you imagine a world of decentralized finance or whatever Web3 becomes, Facebook's not going to play there at all. And they're just going to be unimportant. And there's going to be this other growth in this other world. And so I... It, yeah, I guess at the, at the end of the day, I'm still on the builder side of it. And it seems to me that you can't regulate your way to technology or innovation and that you just need to have to like defeat, either change the rules of the game or defeat the existing incumbents by playing a different game. But yeah, anyhow, that, that's not the mentality at, in DC at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, in a way, I think we've been blessed by how behind they are because they don't have the, the heavy guns to point at us. Whereas, you know, the EU sort of knows what's going on and they point bazookas and, you know, do a lot of damage in stupid ways. But, um, I think we're okay in the U S and I've often thought about like, what is the total amount of productivity that's been destroyed by those stupid little GDPR pop-ups on every website? I imagine it seems tiny, but in aggregate, I imagine it's in the billions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I worked at, uh, one of these companies that was affected by GDPR and the sort of compliance team sat next to me or like sat close to me and they had a like a an ironic flag of the EU um hanging <laughs> with some decorations on it some uh let's say not so nice decorations but yeah <laughs> well i'm glad some of the troll spirit was still alive um in in these fan companies um around uh the EU cuz i've certainly um yeah. I mean, I, I don't think most people actually realize, I mean, forget the little fucking pop-ups, right? The amount of productivity lost in dealing with privacy council, not for the launch of any product, the privacy meeting is like the first thing you do. And I've heard from other insiders at some of these companies yep. that particularly se- even senior end managers that like half their jobs is just managing the whole privacy overhead for their team. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Yeah. I ultimately left, um, in part, I mean, I was just, uh, you know, an engineer working in the machine learning side of things. But uh, there was actually an incredible amount of privacy load, compliance load that went on. I would say up, like maybe even up to 10 to 20 percent of what everybody did at all at all points was uh, complying with regulations in strange ways that like really did not add up to me or anybody else. Um, for example, something would be like, document all data in your system. Um, like, what does that mean? Is If data is being loaded into memory by your program, then apparently you have to 
say it's going to be in 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 memory at this point and it might be deleted at a later date you know it's just like very weird life cycle things that nobody should really be writing down because they're going to change so rapidly as to not make sense anymore but that was something that uh, was a regulatory yeah i know it's funny i mean i can literally just today i was reading a bill and it was about regulating like the minutiae of how data gets recorded and money gets recorded in like a lot of the programmatic advertising space. And I'm just trying to imagine it from the PM perspective, mm-hmm. like this landing on their desks and being forced to like come up with a spec to comply. And it's like, yeah. man, what does this even mean yeah. in the context of lots of things? It's so vague. It's a, um, it's a word sell jobs program. <laughs> God damn it. Rune, we're just, we're just under the thumb of the word cells. The shape yeah, of have to rise up. I know. <clears throat> well, the problem is they're bad at that. So again, you mentioned the uh, you know SF is like road shape rotator like central, and mm-hmm. yet and yet um, this city is completely dysfunctional. Yeah. And despite and despite having a hugely profitable industry that in any other urban setting, right, like Latin business in Miami, the petroleum industry in Houston, Wall Street in New York, whatever, right. would at least have a seat at the table and kind of influence events and have everything not be so just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But but that's just not how it works in San Francisco. The shape rotators cannot defeat cannot defeat the the city no, they're not no. very good at it and and even the ones who are i mean i don't know like uh mr mr benioff i he runs a word cell company i would say and he you know he gets uh some say i think with the government but does not seem to does not seem to care too much about the real problem no well benioff is super word so he was a sales guy when he founded and you know the, his SaaS product is not perhaps the most technically brilliant thing in the world, but it's easily salable at massive multiple year long mm-hmm. contracts that drive an enormous multiple, which is what Salesforce is about. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to, if everyone wants to drive themselves more insane by Benioff, when you sail out of the golden gate and I've done this and you sail off into the open ocean and like the land recedes and there's like nothing left and you're the last thing you see is actually the Salesforce tower. It's the only yeah. thing poking <laughs> above the horizon. It is literally Benioff's sort of, phallic symbol is the yeah. only thing you see in san francisco it's so obnoxious um but yeah you know I, I i think it's a i think it's a pretty building i just think that it's kind of absurd that salesforce is the one that right the very non-epical non-game-changing company that gets to affect the skyline right why is there no google tower right just, uh just they're they're too shape rotated and i can't <laughs> Or an enormous Facebook tire, you know, thing with like a like button at the very top of it. Um, right. Ideal. Yeah. Um, well, although I have personal allegiance to that to that company. Um, so, um, you know, one thing we we could do, Ruin, if you don't mind, because I suspect there will be interests, um, is this wonderful call-in app allows us to actually take questions. Yeah, let's do it. And so, is this, you want to take some questions? Is this like okay. a like a new A16Z Clubhouse replacement, or what's going on with this app? Rune, Rune, you you have violated. You're you're committing heresy, <laughs> sir. Um, oh so, no! Oh, let me let me scroll to see if anyone from A16Z is in the crowd. as possible. Um, so um, it, no. Well, Clubhouse is definitely A16Z. This I'm not sure of the full cap table, but it was backed by David Sachs at Craft mm-hmm. Ventures, mm-hmm. and he was very. I, he's been very influential there. He's the one who convinced me to to join it. And uh, yeah, it's similar, but it's not it's not the same venture back then. It's like just FYI, it's slightly different in that. It's social audio. It feels like Twitter Spaces, but it is archived, and so there'll be a permalink that comes out of this, and anyone can listen to it either on the app or on web. So yeah. just FYI. Um, right. Cool. 
Well, let me, okay, so everyone, we're going to take some questions. I see Marcus in the queue, so we're going to take the next caller. One second. Oh, shit. I, oh, wait. There he is. Sorry, the app is doing weird stuff. Okay, Marcus, you are, you are up. You are on. Man, weird. The app just made him disappear. Well, uh -oh. I guess, yeah, oh, man, he got whacked. Um, yeah. Okay, well, so much for that question. Um, nobody else, dude. I see a bunch of shape rotators. I know some of these people. I, I see a bunch of shape rotators in the gallery, but maybe they feel so subconscious yeah, they don't actually want to word sell a little bit. Oh, here we go. Questions? Here we go. Okay. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Taking next caller. Hold on. Man, I hope. Okay. I'm I'm probably the least intimidating caller that AGM will ever have on his show. I'm a completely anonymous idiot who knows nothing. So you should really come up and ask me questions. Okay, here's A. A, welcome. <clears throat> Hey, thank you. Rune, appreciate you uh, doing all the write-up and stirring up all this stuff on on Twitter. I did have a question. Um, I think a lot of people have been viewing the word cell thing as a kind of an indictment on everybody that's good with language, but it was my understanding that there is some sort of distinction there between people that use language effectively and people that feel like they're not being rewarded by society mm -hmm. for their language skills. Mm -hmm. Kind of a word chad versus word cell dichotomy. I was wondering if you could elaborate that uh, on that a little bit yeah definitely um so there's there's two things the first thing is exactly what you said it's like people that are good with language but also they feel a certain um resentment right like maybe journalists or uh, i don't know like lawyers or something that uh the demand is falling for and they are very they're very angry at the new world state, right? So it's definitely not everybody that's just good with language because there's plenty of those that are doing well. But the other meaning of the word is like these, um, like what tech people would call a uh, architecture astronauts, people who operate at like such a high level of verbal abstraction that they have actually led themselves very far from reality. You know, they're making big claims uh, they don't quite know what they're talking about. Um, it's not someone like, uh, say, Elon, who makes claims and 70% of them come true. It's more like the guy that makes claims and very few of them come true uh, because, you know, he's very detached from reality, uh, just spinning yarns and operating at like a pseudo-philosophical level, uh, including some of those people on Twitter, those niche communities I was talking about, analyzing CIA documents for evidence of the occult or whatever, which is probably there. Who knows? But you know, that's uh, that's my general. No, that's awesome. I, I have one more question. I think, at least in my opinion, we're probably past the peak of word cell power. I mean, maybe that was ten years ago, maybe that was thirty years ago, depending on your opinion. But these people obviously still hold a lot of social currency just because of the habits that have been built up over time for reading these publications that they write at. I'm curious if you have an opinion or, or a prediction on when their power will, will be gone to the point that it's not relevant anymore. I mean, I don't know if that's... Uh, well, I, I would say that the general trend today is that more and more things get turned into, like, cybernetic systems, right? You know, maybe there was a taxi dispatcher uh, 10 years ago that is now just a Uber algorithm, right? So... There, there are certainly things like that, but when I when you think of the power of word cells, I don't know, like it's a 
maybe I'm taking myself too seriously at this point, but I would say it's more like politicians and journalists, right? When are they powerful? They're powerful when politics is what's relevant. When perhaps we're at war, there's a great state conflict, um, that kind of thing. So they, they will have zero power when politics is over. But um, if you subscribe to the Fukuyama School of Thought, you know, the end of history is going to keep rebooting itself, keep creating offshoots of angry, discontent people who don't want to be last men, bug men. Um, so perhaps never, I guess, is my, is my answer. Fighting till the end of time. Not, uh, not what I wanted to hear, but I really appreciate your time. So, so Rune, uh, thanks for asking that question, A. Uh, and so, I mean, you can see that there are, there is a notion of word Chad, which is oh, the same wordiness, but not, not a lame. Okay, good, because good because there's certain people like you know Michel Welbeck, my favorite French writer, who I, I just refuse to call a word cell. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. there's a non-loser status for the word cell. Let me uh, no, let me get sorry. Go ahead. I don't I don't think we should divide all of humanity into those two camps. It's more like some people are word cells, some subset, and some subset are rotators. Okay, great. So after we get to the questions, I might I might pull a, a Tyler Cohen on your rune and ask you like a set of people and, and just quick oh, off the cuff classification. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'll do that. But let's let's get through some of the questions. We have um, we have Pedro up next. What's up guys? Um where rune, where does academia fit into the whole world's word cell sort of theory and definition ethos? You mentioned journalism and politics. Um would be curious to hear your take on that. That's a good question. Um, I would say that, you know, I mean, academia is a huge, it's a huge leviathan. Like, what are you talking about? Like astrophysicists or historians or what? I, I mean, I, I certainly think that. Mm, well, I, I mean, I if, if you want a qualifier, I'd be happy to just say, like, I guess the whole PhD class of people who I guess would yeah. be considered wordsmiths, people who spend five, six years writing about theory and, yeah. and that. Yeah, I certainly think that many of those are word cells. They have little connection to reality. They're hunting after um, the approval of their own peers, right? Like in citation networks and things like that. So I think that that would canonically fit into my initial definition. But I also think there's plenty of brilliant academics who spend their time exploring like real avenues of uh, physical exploration or something like that. So. Cool. Thanks. Let's get uh, Trupti up next. Hi. Can you hear me? Okay. Cool. Um, I I don't have a question on Wurzel, but I just have an observation on Twitter in general that people who uh, speak their mind or really freely say things are either like you, Rune, or maybe Antonio has already been canceled or the billionaires who have made it. Everyone else seems to just tread a line and be super careful. Do you think um, there's a trend emerging here or or people only behind a cover or successful can say things? Any thoughts on how you grew to the popularity today or anything like that? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what AGM's take on this, because um, Antonio is obviously not anonymous, but he did get canceled, and now he's uh, running his own Substack, which I 
think offers some level of independence. I don't see them really taking anybody off their platform. As as far as me, I, I think uh, for sure anonymity offers me like a level of uh, freedom to say things that I'd never be able to otherwise. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously Mark Andreessen can say whatever the hell he wants. He's post scarcity on every resource imaginable, you know, clout, status, money, whatever you need. But it's so. a sad, isn't it? A sad state of humanity that you can only say things when you're one or the other. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I definitely know my friends who have real name accounts. They tend to toe the line more than I do. So it's rough. I mean, even if you're not saying things that are uh, politically sensitive, it's like you have to, everything you say becomes tied with your many identities in life, right? Like now your employer knows about it. Your coworker knows about it. And they're going to ask you, like, what does this tweet mean? And it's like a total context collapse because you meant that for 40 online schizophrenic guys that understand your language. And that's, that's not a, it's not a good collapse. So, but yeah, I want to hear AGM's thought. I, I, I do have some thoughts here for the reasons that Tripti mentions. <clears throat> I mean, on, on the fuck you many question, it's funny. I've had this debate with, um, you know, people who are in the level that we're talking about here and it's odd. Their reaction is like, actually, no, it gets worse the more money you have because, you know, people have this sort of aristocratic notion of the wealthy living in castles. Uh, you know, somebody like a very successful Silicon Valley VC um, has a whole set of portfolio companies, has a sort of whole set of commitments with their own LPs. They are like a very important node in this very interconnected high stakes network. And they are, they're actually less able to say things that, that they want. Um, unless being like a full on contrarian and willing to like eat, the social capital hit of that they're, they're willing to do somebody like just to name a random example, somebody like Peter Thiel, for example, who's, who's willing to do that. But by and large, I think most people um, are not as for the cancellation thing. I would say, you know, I think it's less and less important. I think we're onto the Omicron variant of cancellation to cite a COVID analogy, to be honest. And um, I, I definitely do think that um, either a successful sub Substack or some other independent means to support is definitely kind of a vaccination against it. Um, the last thing I would say is you you do, you do mention something interesting, Rune, about and, and then you yourself and your own anon account status about having a sort of fractured identity. Um, not to not to take the whole conversation in a wild direction, but I, I, some of the people here probably followed the um, the ENS thing with uh, Brantley. Um, yeah, basically, you know, one of the major devs and probably one of the biggest or most important Web three projects uh, got booted for the project. For I mean, it, there's a whole set of things there, but basically, it's not even worth going through the detail. But he got booted, right? In, in sort of, in, sort of in the bosom of of Web three, which was supposed to be kind of like decentralized and cancel proof. And I, I'm curious what you think, Rune, because you are a non. Um, you know, I, I talk to people who are pro crypto, like, hey, you know, and I'm generally pro crypto myself, but I, I do have a few reservations. Like, well, I, sorry, like, what the hell? Like, I thought Web three was supposed to solve this, and right. the dude just got the boot faster than you know. I did it Apple or, or, or Rogan's going to get at Spotify or whatever, you know, name your example. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're like, well, you've just got to keep your identity separate. You've got to have your sort of alt for this one thing and this all for this other thing. And it all seemed to me like living like somebody in the federal witness protection program or like <laughs> yeah. dissidents that I interviewed in Cuba under a communist government. It's like, I mean, yeah, sure. Look, that's the hack, but I don't think most people in a free country want to want to actually live that way. Yeah. I mean, 
I think that's fair, but it also seems like an inevitable consequence of having several sources of authority, right? You're going to want to toe the line on all of them for various parts of your life, and you're not going to be able to with one identity. And yeah, I mean, that's not ideal, but it's, um, I don't know, it may be inevitable with uh, digital fracturing and the amount of like context switching that we have to do these days. I mean, I have to context switch even from one social network to the other, right? It's not, um, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I, don't you, like, I've often, there's definitely things I don't say, speaking of things you don't say, like on Twitter, and I've often thought, oh, it'd be nice to have an alt account. A, getting the engagement at this level would be like a major pain yeah. in the ass. <laughs> but two, I know I would like completely fuck it up and like not, not forget that I'm in this one profile versus another in the app or screenshot something and just mm-hmm. away. Don't you ever worry about like when you're jumping around that you're going to fuck it up somehow, that your OPSEC is going to fail? Um, my OPSEC is Swiss cheese. I think that anybody who really wants to find it can find it, uh, you know, my real identity. I mean, uh, if I was really serious about it, I'd use a voice changer today, but I'm not. Well, actually, maybe I am. I, I mean, I am P-Mark after all, but um, the, uh, the thing is that if you even add friction to people doxing your anonymous account, it vastly reduces like the attack surface. You know, like, if it takes like 40 minutes to find your real identity, then almost nobody will do it. And until you get to a big enough scale where there's like a lot of social clout associated with doxing you, finding out who you are. But at my scale, I don't think anyone really cares. If someone were to dox me, they would be, um, I think, like kind of socially reviled on Twitter because it's like a major taboo, right? People's real identity. So, yeah. Well, but guess guess what professional class of asshole is willing to do it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Lawrence. Right. They, uh, right. Among others, whoever the hell doxed um, the uh, founders of Bored Apes, which, again, like, did not serve the public right. interest. There's absolutely no financial malfeasance alleged whatsoever. They're just, we're going to be dicks and lift the mask on people running, like, a legitimate business for the sake of, quote, unquote, accountability. Um, yeah. True. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so I'll get off the soapbox and have the next um, speaker come. Let me um, take this caller. Okay, we have Ashley White. I know he's been waiting there for a while. Welcome, Ashley. Oh, maybe we lost Ashley. Oh, I'm uh, here. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Hi. Yeah, thanks for, for letting me uh, ask a question. I was just curious. I think most of us have kind of jumped on this wave at various points of, of the, the rise and crest. But I was curious for you, Rune, who's been at the epicenter of it all along. And then also, you know, <laughs> everyone else in your little uh, world that is, you know, tech and, and, and San Francisco and Silicon Valley, um, you have seen how this is kind of permeated out from the in-group and to other groups. Yeah. And I, I, I guess yeah, a couple of questions are, how many of the people that have latched onto this or caught the wave mm-hmm. do are like out account versus real people? And then what are the sort of the adjacent areas of, mm-hmm. of groups that have taken an interest, interacted either positively or negatively? Because I guess the rest of us aren't seeing all that. We're kind of seeing our own pockets. Mm. 
Um, I don't know what you mean about the alt account thing. So are you asking like how many people in my in group are sort of alt accounts are real or? Well, um, I, even like just commenting on your mm. your posts, you know, what is your breakdown of alt account followers or or engagers uh, versus real yeah. people? Yeah, uh, I would say it's like very massively tilted towards Anon's alt accounts, people who are slightly pseudonymous, that kind of thing. You know, it's like very much um, uh, early 2000s, like forum culture, where you're on like some, I don't know, video game forum or something, and you have a new identity for it. That seems to be the default in my crowd rather than the, uh, the strange, the errant person. Um, and, and yeah, now that I'm like far more involved in tech than I was, there's a lot more real names, but even tech Twitter is full of... Um, more or less anonymous, like slightly anonymous people. So, yeah, uh, it's a it's a pretty big, like I would say at least sixty percent. But I don't know, I might be completely wrong on that. Um, as far as the other thing, like what other groups has it gone to? Well, it clearly started in my part of Twitter, and bubbled slowly to tech Twitter and finance Twitter. Who, um, I mean, I think just various friends that I have in both of those started saying it, and. Like, um, let's see, crypto Twitter sort of started saying it too. And finally, Mark Andreessen blew it wide open. And then, like, uh, everybody in tech was saying it, including, like, random fucking, like, the Shopify CEO was saying it. <laughs> like, uh, you know, just uh, anybody you can think of. From there, it goes to journalists and then, like, true normies, I think. But I haven't seen a catch on with true normies yet. The journalists are just saying it because it makes them mad, right? They comment on things that make them mad. Um, but I actually really doubt that it would have any mainstream appeal with um, this sort of non-tech audience. It's kind of very uh, inside baseball. But Au contraire, Rune. Uh, so the conversion pixel I have in like the normie part of the funnel mm-hmm. to see when something comes back to me that's normal yeah. is actually... Uh, my ex and baby mama number two, who a couple <laughs> days ago, out of the blue, texted uh-huh. and said, so what's a word cell? And that's when I knew that you had made it, Rune. The oh, fact that you'd fine. gotten to, to mama yeah. two, who is partly online, but is absolutely not in the tech world and is kind of dismissive of it. But is it so, because yeah. is it because she follows you on Twitter and therefore... Oh, no, she sees... blocks me on Twitter, of course. Oh, Are you kidding? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then, then I've really made it. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's happening. Okay, let me let me get Manuel up here. Manuel, welcome. Did we lose Manuel? I think we might have. Um, you know what? Let me take Martian. For, oh no, okay. there he is. Hey, I didn't. See, yeah, this is this is a new app for me. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I've been following. It's been fun. Um, so there's a lot of discussion about right brain, left brain. It seems like an like an ancient argument, like Plato versus uh, Aristotle. You know, uh, people with ideas and then people with uh, math and such. And but this, the word cell versus shape it almost seems like it's more of a trust issue, right? I think there's a big problem of who to trust, right? Who's telling the truth? What is the truth? Would you say there's an element of that in in the dichotomy? Um, 
I mean, maybe, like, do you mean just uh, you know, r- r- eroding trust in, like, the priestly journalist class, something like that? Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the perhaps gain in trust in, again, these, like, cybernetic control systems run by heavy math people. I, yeah. It seems, like, it, it seems like even some, something that should be fundamental, like getting a vaccine, is, is such, a, such a fight nowadays. And I was wondering what what aspect, you know, your idea is kind of shaped into that that kind of trust. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have some specific angle on that, um, but someone said something like uh, it's a it's a word cell sort of journalistic culture run amok on rotator platforms, which is kind of funny because it's like certainly certainly a lot of very strange ideas percolating via the ideas of more numerically minded optimizers, right? Who they're looking mostly for maximizing engagement, ad clicks, etc. I mean, I think that's simplistic. They certainly try to mitigate some of the downsides these days, but um, it's definitely, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of people who like to write are having a heyday on, on the web doing either fake news, real news, whatever. So, uh, But I, I don't think I have some specific... Oh, thanks. Cool. Um, you, you did, you did, Manuel, you did raise an interesting issue in my mind of like, where were the shape rotators before in the times of Plato and Aristotle, <laughs> right? Because I think it's been kind of a word cell world for a very long time. And it's only relatively recently that you could actually get to elite status via shape rotation. Maybe Rune thinks otherwise, or maybe you thought about that more. No, I think you're right. I mean, I, I said something similar in the blog. Yeah, it's like, yeah, where were Asperger's people and shape rotators before? I suspect they were not at leading. Yeah, well, they had a huge follower, right? I mean, Plato Plato was trying to teach about you know how how we should be, how we should govern, and uh, Aristotle steps in. No, well, you know, we've got this whole classification of things we've got to figure out, you know, and mm-hmm. he kind of bypassed everything that Plato said. And basically founded founded you know modern uh, modern technology. Although to be fair, or helped it along um, rather helped I, it along. I believe that Pythagoras had a cult, like some sort of geometric cult. So, I mean, if that's not shape rotation, I don't know what is. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Although I think that I think the point Manuel is making is that Socrates was a word cell and Aristotle was a shape rotator. Yeah, and, I, I think that's actually good yeah. mapping. Yeah. I think so, too, because Socrates, it's funny, he was also anti-alphabet. He has a whole spiel in one of his dialogues against the alphabet because he thought <laughs> he clearly was not just a word cell. He was a, an oral word cell, which is a whole different. It's like a trad word cell sort of convolution. Um, let me, which makes me actually get back to the questions, remind everyone, we're going to run through a list of names and Rune on the spot is going to declare them word cell or shape rotator. We are going to do that. Um, but let's let's take Martian as a, uh, a questioner first. Um, Welcome, Martian. Hello. Yeah, uh, I was just wondering uh, if you have a favorite shape. What is it out of any number of dimensions? It's the perfect sphere. It's very easy. I love it. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you saw it, Rune. There's like a meme of you in that like couple sleeping with the man looking away and the woman looking ignored in which the in which it's your yeah. head and the dude is just sitting there spinning a little shape. Yeah, around. I've seen that. Yeah, that was a good one. Man, it's uh, it's very jarring to see people make uh, 
hundreds of memes with your sort of pseudo face in it, but also very yeah, no, that that's the weird dissociation that happens with celebrity at any level, even in the case of like minor yours of micro celebrity, i.e. you're a celebrity to like a very small number right. of people, hardly a hospital. Right. But it, you become this other thing that exists independently of either you of the observer and exists on its own that you as the brand owner kind of influence, mm-hmm. but not even totally. And it's it's the most jarring, weird dissociative thing. And it still kind of flips me out. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a platonic form of rune floating Right, that like even if like God forbid you literally killed over dead tomorrow, ruin would live on in the minds of others, right. and your shape rotation would live on. It's really fucking strange. Um, okay, I think we've gone through the caller queue. I think we've gone to the point. I actually tweeted uh, people to actually ask them for names that they wanted that I you know to confront you with. <laughs> yeah. So let me take a look at that list. Some of them are some of them are actually pretty good. Um, let's see. This is a really bad time for my Mac to suddenly decide to start beach balling, but let's see. Um, so, oh, well, let's start there. Steve Jobs, word cell, mm. or shape rotator? Yeah, he's, he's hard to classify. I might cop out and say right in the middle because there are these lengthy passages where he talks about, like, you know, these are the qualities of glass and these are the qualities of metal, and you can put them together and do X, Y, Z. So he's clearly thinking about like the literal geometry and design and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe we'll give him an honorary rotator status, but um, it's clearly a, like a word sell by training. So it's rough. That one is tough. It is. I mean, if you, if, if you read his bio, there's definitely indications going either way. On the one hand, people said he was actually a crappy engineer because he was first hired, mm-hmm. hired as an engineer, wasn't very good at it. But on the other hand, exactly what you're saying is true. His father was actually quite handy. And right. he was supposedly was much impacted by the craftsmanship of his father. And he clearly cared about things. You know, there's a famous story where he took one of the early pro- prototypes of the iPhone that he thought was too big. And he mm. dropped it in water and saw a bubble emerge. And he's like, there's air in there. You can make it smaller, smaller, smaller. Wow. Come back with a smarter, smaller. Okay. And, and that's like a super shape rotator yeah. thing to do. I think that anecdote just convinced me. He's got to be a rotator. <laughs> um, yeah, or... Although I have to say, um, you know, there's like the joke, if you want to be, or actually it's a joke, it's a GS elevator tweet. If, if you want it to be good at one thing, be good at lying, mm-hmm. because then you can seem to be good at everything, right? So That's one thing what cells are good at are they're seeming good, to be good at shape rotation, yeah. but actually they're just totally lying. Okay, let's go on to, um, okay, here's another one. Uh, Donald J. Trump. Oh, certainly a word cell, but I think maybe a word Chad because of his success, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably definitely say word sell. Um, he he, yeah. he is the tweeter in chief um, without any question. Um, yeah. I think we already covered, um, it's funny, somebody mentioned Plato, Aristotle, and, and Socrates. Um, what, yeah, what do you think of that of that trio? Um, I agree with the caller, uh, what he said, with uh, right. Aristotle and Socrates. Plato, I'm not sure. Right. So, I, maybe Pro- I, I mean, think he, towards word sell. <clears throat> really? What do you think? He came up with a pl- he came up literally with a platonic. Oh, that's abstraction. right. The platonic forms, platonic solids. Yeah, okay. including no, a dodecahedron. He rotated a dodecahedron in his head. No, you're totally right. He's king of geometry. Forgot for a second. Yeah. So certainly rotator. <clears throat> okay, something slightly funner. Larry David. Hmm. Uh, word cell for sure. I mean, are there are yeah. there any qualities of his that make him otherwise? I'm not sure. No, that's probably right. Um, Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, that's a good one. Word cell. Really? Mm-hmm. 
You don't think so? You you you've actually met him and talked to him, right? You'd know yeah, better. I mean briefly, but uh, I've been in, I've been in meetings with him. Um, I would say shape rotator, really trying to be a word so <laughs> and failing. Um, oh, actually, that's a good argument. Um, I I think I chalk up like fifty yeah. percent of the Facebook hate to the fact that he comes off like a fucking android in public speaking, yeah. <laughs> and that if he yeah. was slightly better on that front, like. As much as people shit talk Jack Dorsey, they still think he vibes kind of cool and weird or bohemian, and that's totally not the vibe they get from from Zach. Right, um, but uh, I would say being awkward is not on its own an evidence of uh, being a shape rotator, right? Because you can think of like lawyers who, many of them right. are quite bad at public speaking, and they're st- they're kind of autistic. They have the traits of um, you know someone microscopically obsessed, but they are, after all, word cells. They're very good at verbal abstractions and things like that. The reason I say that is because Zuck always seemed like a product guy to me, but, um, you know, you know, one who thinks at the broad scale about civilization and networked humanity and that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe the database design comes second to him. He has someone else to take care of that, but that's, um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not close enough to him to, to know about this, but, I mean, I mean, the issue, again, I, you know, I was never even remotely close to his inner circle, but mm-hmm. although I, I did know the circle at the time because Facebook was small enough that that would be the case. I, right. I think one thing that makes Zuck hard to judge is that he dropped out of Harvard in whatever, his second or third year. And I think everyone would admit that, you know, not him and all the early Facebook who were not actually amazing engineers, mostly because they just didn't have the education and had never run a large scaled site. One of my few friends from that early Facebook era actually was like this old, crusty, like memcache guru who mm-hmm. was brought in to just completely unfuck like all of Facebook, which was going down in flames. I have it on good authority <laughs> yeah. that the early sharding of Facebook, I shit you not, was by box. Yeah. There was like the Yale box, the Harvard box, the Brown box. Like, yeah. That's why they did it because they had yeah, no idea how to do it otherwise. This. Right, right. And then. And then suddenly, you know, it's hundreds of millions of users and the whole thing, or, you know, and so they had to completely undo a lot of engineering. Right. So it's it, terrible. in his case, he might have been a thwarted shape rotator who didn't get the education and then was forced into word selling. And at this point, he's lost whatever shape rotation he had. That could be the exact thing. <laughs> I think that's um, possible. Yeah. And so you've already pronounced yourself on Elon as a shape rotator, I think. Is that, yes, is that right? Yeah. I think that's a canonical one because he just seems to be very good at part design and that kind of thing. Okay, here's a curveball. Ready? Mm-hmm. Patrick Collison of Stripe. Mm. Oh man. Uh, he has he has lots of books. He started yeah. his entire publishing arm at Stripe that publishes yeah. like serious books. No, my first instinct was word cell, but I wanted to give him a chance and think of an alternative justification. But I can't think of any. Uh, I understand that he actually still chimes in on support tickets on Twitter. Like he'll still say, "Oh, we're going to mm-hmm. fix this line in the code." So. Oh wow. Yeah, but I, I still think that um, I would have to go with Wordsell. He's a high-level abstract thinker who loves, um, you know, history and the humanities and all this stuff. He writes about it a lot, started Stripe Press, as he said. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Wordsell. I mean, and that does not, of course, mean that he's, his skill in math is bad. Just talking about the delta in the two intelligences, right? Okay. Um, so here... We're, we're going to go edgy, Rune. I hope you don't mind. Okay. Uh, the cancellation risk is all mine, though, because, again, oh, you're, you're still a nine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you two at, two, two at a time, mm-hmm. right? So 
classify both Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin? Oh, fuck. Okay. First was word cell, latter is rotator. Uh, interesting. That's that's what I would have guessed, actually. Yeah. That's what I would have said, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think of Stalin as uh, sort of apolitical and opportunistic. Um, but uh, I could be wrong about that. And Hitler was far more ideologically uh, sophisticated, I guess. Right. And he also wrote a book. And exactly. I, right. And, and Stalin didn't leave much of a, of a written record. I think if you write a book, somehow you're always at least honorary word cell. That's it. You've yeah, just, that's you've true. gone too far. Um, interesting. Let's see who else. He also, he also made uh, some military blunders that were very indicative of a word salary. Rune, you had to get the dig in. Damn it. The word cell just couldn't deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> they were stuck in a cloud of their own words. Pretty much. Um, okay, cool. Well, I, you know, I ran through my list and we're kind of way over time. I know I've taken a lot of time, uh, uh, Rune. Thanks for using uh, the voice cloaker, by the way, just so you know. It's not <laughs> yeah. actually his voice. So nobody record it and try to match mm-hmm. it in some weird way. And uh, yeah, best of luck with the Substack. I look forward to reading about the uh, Crypto City thing because it's something I, I actually find deeply fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go subscribe. And by the way, everyone else... Can dr- totally name drop and plug uh, your Substack Rune? Yeah, it's uh, RuneScape with R O O N uh, Scape dot Substack dot com, and my Twitter. I think you can find it just based on uh, searching Rune. But um, can, would this reveal too much? But can I ask you where the Rune thing came from? Uh yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a nickname for me for my full name, which is Tarun. That's there's many Taruns in Silicon Valley. It's fine, but uh. Yeah, it's, uh, people have been calling me that since high school. Got it. Okay, and the and the tizzle from your actual Twitter name? Uh, yeah, T-Sizzle. Oh, yeah. T-Sizzle. Also, also a nickname, yeah. So, <laughs> Dude, that, oh my God, that, that's your total rapper name. T-Sizzle mm-hmm. is, your, is your rapper name. Exactly, oh, cool. right. Yeah. Got it. Okay, well, cool. Thanks, Rune. Uh, thanks again, Polar Crest Crowd. It was a pretty full, pretty packed house, and I'll be publishing this soon and sharing it. And uh, thanks again for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me on, dude. I think uh, I'm probably not your usual audience, but uh, it's good to see that you're giving random Twitter shit posters a moment in the sun, too. Yeah, dude, you are the man of the moment. You have the, you have the, <laughs> the media tiger by the tail. I've had all sorts on here from mm-hmm. senatorial candidates to New York Times columnists uh, to Balaji, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, anyone awesome. interesting or worth talking about. So, cool, Rune. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and, see uh, ya. good night, everyone. See ya. Peace.